Let's get in. Who's been enjoying our series, the sour series about being sour, being offended? Uh, anybody find the series challenging? It's been, it has been challenging, even for myself. Uh, in the week one, we talked about um, how you handle offenses will determine your future. How you handle it and, and how do we put the, the offenses down? We pick up offenses. Last week, we spoke about um, do you have the right to be genuinely uh, if you've been genuinely, genuinely being mistreated, do you have the right to be offended? Oh, that's a tough one, right? If you have been genuinely being mistreated, do you have the right to be offended? Now, if you, uh, if you want the answers for that one, you're going to listen back on, on the podcast. But today, today's one we'll be, we'll be focusing on, I'm, I'm titling this, looking for a message for this, it's called Tough Love. Tough Love. Everybody say tough love. Tough love. Has anybody ever experienced tough love before? Tough love, and um, and I was just thinking about uh, uh, my children. I was reflecting on my kids. Did you know that your children are a are a reflection of you? Did you know that they are a reflection of you? So everything that frustrates you about your kids, guess what? It's a reflection of you. It's a reflection of you, and that's what that's why my kids frustrate. You know why my why my kids frustrate me is that when is when I get a school report back from the school. Or when I go to parents' interview at a school, or maybe my kids, they go to someone's house and then I hear a report back by the parent. What frustrates me is this, is every time I, the reports that come back to me is this, that your children are well-behaved. They're really polite, <laughs> very polite, and, and they've got great temperament. They're, they're just amazing. The reason why that frustrates me because they're not like that at home. <laughs> okay, you have the right kids? Have, we, have you got the right kids? Are you, are you talking about your own kids? Um, but what's amazing is that the older, older your children will get, the more they become like you. And so the older my kids be, um, grow, the, the more they become like me. And, 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 so, they, and so the more they, they become, they mature, and they mature in age. And, 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 and so my hope is that they'll begin to take on some of the, um, the, the aspects that, are, that I think is godly. And it's my hope that they take that on as they get older. Um, however, there are things about my kids that, that I don't like. And the reason why I don't like it is because I see me in them. And you, you know what's really, what's even amazing is that sometimes when Portal gets angry at the kids for what, they did something, she'll get angry at the kids, she'll get angry at me. And I'm like, why are you angry at me? I never did anything. It wasn't me, it was them. And I said, they're just like you. <laughs> That's why I'm angry at you, because they're just like you. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? So when it comes to the New Testament, when the New Testament uses two main words when it's describing sons or, when, or children, and, and, the, and the two main words that it uses is the word technon. Everybody say technon. It's, it's not a type of music that we listen to. Technon, what that means in, in New Testament Greek, it means a son or daughter that, that, that is a son or daughter by mere birth. Okay, so my son, uh, my son Samuel is my son because for the very fact that he came out of portal. For mere birth. So he's a technon. He means te he is my he's my technon, being he's being he's my son by mere birth. Now the second word that, that is used in the New Testament is the word weos. Everybody say weos. Weos. Now weos is 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 a son and used by New in New Testament in the New Testament as a son that is one that is identified by um, the traits and character of the parent. 
right? So that you'll know that this is Ansa's son because of the traits that my child um, shows is just like his dad. You can tell my kid, okay, they're the ones that are like saints. I get laughter going on over here. <laughs> you, can tell my, you, can, you can tell your children by the, by the way that they behave, right? And, and so in other words, in other words, technon is an immature son or immature child, and weos is a mature son or mature child. You get that? So when you read the term, so when we read scripture, we quite often will read children or sons, but sometimes we don't know what the meaning is behind that, what they're talking about. So when Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 to 45, he says this, this is Jesus. But I say, love your enemies. That's Jesus. He's saying that to us. I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You know, wouldn't it be nice if everybody did that? Wouldn't it be so good? Can you imagine there'll be less wars in the world? There'll be less strife. You know, I even believe there'll be less famines. There'll be less people living in poverty. If we begin to take hold of the words of Jesus, but I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, as true, this is Jesus, Jesus is saying this, he says, when you love your enemies, when you begin to pray for those who persecute you, then you will be true children of your Father in heaven, true children. Now the word children is the word weos, mature. You will, that means that you are, you are now become a mature child, you'll become a mature son, you'll become a mature daughter. So which means, in my mind, is that if you're holding an offense towards a brother or sister, if you're holding an offense towards a family member, if you're holding an offense to a friend, then you are an immature child of God. Not my words, Jesus' words. Because when we begin to love our enemies, when we begin to pray for those who persecute you, when we begin to let go of the offenses, we begin to display the character of God. Okay? That's why Jesus said, love your enemies. So that's why this message is called Tough Love. Everybody say tough love. Tough. It's tough love, isn't it? Love your enemies. Love those who, honestly, how many have ever been offended by people, genuinely been offended? Now, Jesus is telling you, you got to love them. you got to pray for them. You're right. That's tough love. And that's exactly, and a person who lives through tough love is a true child of God, a mature person of God. I know what you're thinking. It's easier said than done, pastor. Easier said than done. But today we're going to be camping in the, in the first book of Peter. First Peter. We're going to be camping in that book today. So if you've got your Bible, turn on your devices. Why don't you turn with me to first Peter. Now, First Peter is a, is a fantastic book because it describes how do we handle, when, handle it when we're being mistreated. How do we handle hard times? How do we handle suffering? So if, you, if, you, if you're going through a bit of a hard time right now, if you're feeling like you're being mistreated, what, get into 1 Peter. Begin to read what, uh, uh, what the apostle Peter begins to share, what God has laid on his heart. And it's really interesting because what you read when you go through Peter is it's quite interesting. And this is a thought that I really want us to be uh, to, uh, a thought that I want us to hold on today. And it's this, the more you, it's this, the more that you defend yourself, the more offense you'll take on. The more that you defend yourself, the more offense you'll take on. Have you ever been between two friends and it escalates really fast? 
or with family members, or, or maybe you've been the one in, the, in, a, in a conversation for something, and you have a disagreement, right? And one's accusing one of the other, and now you start defending yourself, and it escalates because now the offense builds. Okay, so we're going to look at Peter, and, what, and Peter begins to, to, um, to pull this apart. What do you do? What do you do? So turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. In fact, a whole lot of Peter, it's, it's fascinating, it's, it's an amazing book. Get into the book of Peter. Peter says this in verse 20. He says, of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. Okay, so, you, you, so Peter's saying this, you'll get no credit if you're beaten for doing wrong. Okay, no credit for the, what? Basically what he means this, what he, mean, what he means is this, is that um, if you get yourself in trouble by the police, don't say that the devil is coming against you. You got what you deserved. You, you understand what I'm saying here? In other words, when you see the red and blue lights flashing in your headlights, don't bind the devil. You just got your speeding ticket because you were speeding. Okay? So, of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. It's your fault. So don't get any credit for doing it. That's, 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 that's your bad. You shouldn't have done it in the first place. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. So, so Peter is, is talking about there's two types of persecutions here. There's self-afflicted, and there's persecution for doing what is right. So self-afflicted is persecution when, when we do what is wrong. And God has set up authorities over us to punish us. So God has set up authorities over us to punish us. Uh, and see, so there's, there's, there's a real easy way to stop self-afflicting from happening. You know what that is? Basically, it's this. It's get wisdom and change your behavior. In other words, grow up. Okay? You got to understand something. People think, when, when, when we drive, people think Portal can't drive. Portal can drive. She can drive. And so before we came, started coming to this church and got hearts radically changed by God, you know, she was driving. She would drive the family around. Now, the only issue with that is she had no license. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so she had no license. So I'll tell you what, when God touched our hearts, we come to this place. We said, and then we, and we realized, God, how can we, so Portal, we made a decision, no, no more, because not until she gets her license. And so here we are, 16 years later, and she, <laughs> she says, why well, don't I need to drive when, when I've got the Uber right over here? And, uh, but here's the thing, it's, and, and, and this is the thing. Now, when it comes to the law, you know, you want, some people are wondering why they're not blessed as much. Well, here's the thing. If you don't obey the authority that God has put over top of us, how can we obey God who's given us authority? And the reason why you're not stepping into blessing is because you're not, you're, you're not coming under authority, which God has given, has put over us. And this is what, what Peter is talking about. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. You got your just desserts. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. So, and so this, this is where we are. So there's a, there's a persecution that for doing what is right. And we're treated unfairly because of it. This is doing for, for, for what we're doing. And this is verse 20. I'm going to verse 21. It says, for God called you. For God called you. Everybody say, this is my calling. This is my calling. Okay, you know, as, as a pastor, I get many times people say, you know, I, I'm just trying to figure out what my calling is. Well, here it is. This is your calling. Okay. You want to know what your calling is? This is it. For God called you to do good even if it means suffering. Wow. I didn't get any, any amens after that. <laughs> this is my calling, to do good and suffer. That's your calling. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example. 
He is your example. And, and you know, many, just for many people here, some people don't actually know that we are a blended family. So that, um, and I'm actually the blend to the family. So I, Porter, when we got together, Porter already had children. I had no children. We got together in instant family. It's like, oh, you know, so maybe we shouldn't go to Macca's anymore because it's, there's, there's a lot more mouths to, to feed than what I'm used to. Uh, but here's the thing, you know, and we started coming to church. I was still, my official address was still Auckland, okay? And so Porter was, was when we got together, she was on a solo parent, solo parent, um, benefit. And so I was working. I, I had a whole bunch of other things I was dealing with, and I was like trying to pay for all these things. But here we are. We come to church, and we're hearing God's Word, and we're like, man, you know, I say I live in Auckland, but I'm more here than I am in Auckland. And, um, you know, Rayla's born, our daughter's born, and, and I said, you know what, we need to make this right. So we like, we, we, we decided we're going to get married. You know what, we're going to come off you know, therefore, I'm, I'm officially here. We're going to come off the benefit. We need to do what is right. And let me tell you something. When we did that, all of a sudden they go, oh, you know what, Ants, you're, because of your wage, no benefits, no nothing, no help. And we began to suffer. And I'm like, man, we do what is right and we suffer? God, I thought you were going to bless us. And let me tell you what, tell you, what you got to do what God has called you to do. Even if it means suffering. For, if, for he is your example, and you must follow in his, in his steps. So what's, so what's Jesus' example? Verse 22. I love this. He never sinned. He never deceived anyone. Like, you're on a benefit, and you shouldn't be on a benefit. <laughs> he never deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. Has anybody, anybody been assaulted, and you never retaliated? nor threatened revenge when he suffered. And I love what he, this is what he did. This is the key. Everybody say, here's the key. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Because what happens when you defend yourself, what often happens is offense builds. We just want to defend ourselves. And when we begin to to defend ourselves towards somebody else, we elevate the other person's influence over our life. All of a sudden, whoa, you know, how do you, we've, we've made something bigger than what it actually is. So the very fact that you have to answer to this person makes them your judge. But let me tell you what, you don't have to answer to anybody except your, your, your king, your God, your savior. He is the one that we need to answer to. And he is the one when we say, you know what, I'm, gonna put, I'm putting it in your hands, God. I'm going to trust you. There's persecution coming my way. I'm suffering right now, but I'm going to trust you. I'm putting it in your, in your hands. You're my judge. Then you know what? God, God's going to bring a breakthrough in your life. It is going to, a blessing will come. <coughs> God, a blessing is going to come. And he goes on. And, we, and Peter goes on the next chapter. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, if all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with, with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. And so Peter begins to give you, gives you an application. Here's, a, here's an application of how you can stop being offended. Does anybody want an application on how to stop being offended and how to continue to live your life free of offense? So this is Peter's application on how to live a life of not being offended. This is his application. This is it. Here he goes. Instead, pay them back with blessing. That is what God has called you to do. Everybody say, this is my calling. calling. You want to know what your calling is? 
Do you know what they're calling us? Pay them back with blessing. Pay them back with blessing. That's your calling. You have been called to pay back people who persecute you with blessing. Those who do harm against you with blessing. That is your calling. This is Peter's application. If you want to live a life of not being offended, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. When someone comes against you, when someone genuinely mistreats you, if you want to live a life of not being offended, pay them back with blessing. For this is what God has called you to do. Why? Why would you want to do that? Because He will grant you His what? His blessing. His blessing. So the next time you're be, you are being unfairly treated, the next time you're being unfairly treated, I'm telling you, you've got to dance. You've got to do a jig. You're going to have a party because God is setting you up to be blessed. I'm telling you, when you understand this, when you get this into your spirit, when you, when you trust God, that God knows what He's doing, when you understand that God is setting up for a blessing, that when, when, when you're being unfairly treated, come on, you've got to, come on, I'm being unfairly treated. Come on, you know, you, 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 something, you can either pick up an offense or you can pick up a blessing. Do you know how many people have not picked up a blessing but have picked up an offense and they had a blessing come their way? But instead of picking up a blessing, they've picked up an offense. And because they've picked up offense, the, the, the offense has built up an offense around their heart and they can't step into their purpose. So if you want to live a life of not picking up a fence, man, you got to understand, get this into your spirit. If you can get this into your spirit, then the next time you're being unfairly treated, come on, it's party time. Man, I'm going to dance a jig because God is setting me up for blessing. I can't see it right now. I can't see it happening before me. And, 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 it, uh, and I feel like I'm being overwhelmed, but I'm putting my trust in God because He is my judge. And I'm putting it in His hands because He knows what He's doing. And I'm not going to pick up an offense. Bless those that hurt you because God is setting you up for a blessing. For a blessing. Bless those that hurt you because God is setting you up for a blessing. If, if, everybody say if. If you handle it correctly. So instead of picking up a fence, many people pick up an offense and they get a sour heart. You've met people with sour heart, and they just can't get by. Sometimes you, you see somebody after 10 years, and you talk to them, and they've still got a, a, an issue from what happened back then. They still have a sour heart because they're still holding this offense. Bless those that hurt you because God is setting you up for a blessing. Does anybody want to be blessed in this place? If you can only get this into your spirit, if you only knew that God was in control, you'll begin to act like a mature son and a daughter. We us. You begin to take on the character of God. When it comes to physical growth, physical growth is limited by time, right? We know that. Because you don't get a two-year-old that's six feet tall. We understand that. They have to grow. So when it comes to intellectual growth, it happens through the function of learning. We learn, and it's not through time. Some people, some people can uh, graduate earlier than others, but it, it comes through learning. It's not a function of time. It's a function of learning. But when it comes to spiritual growth, what is it a function of? Is it a function of time? Is spiritual growth a function of time? And the answer is no. I know people that have been Christians for 20 years, and they're still acting like babies. And I know people have been a Christian for only one year, and they're like spiritual giants. 
It's not a function of time. Is spiritual growth a function of learning? It's not a function of learning. You gotta understand something. The Pharisees, when they saw when they saw Jesus, the Pharisees who could quote the first five books of the Bible, when they saw the Son of God casting out demons, they couldn't recognize who he was, who was standing before him, even though they had this great learning. It's not a function. Spiritual, spiritual maturity is not a function of learning. So what is spiritual growth a function of? Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. And it says this: even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Spiritual growth is a function of suffering, of suffering. See, Jesus, he didn't bring, he didn't bring obedience from heaven. He learned it. He learned it through suffering. God says, I know what you can handle, but he will only give you what you can handle. Oh, let me ask you something. What can you handle right now? What can you handle? You know, um, when I, for years, um, I would go to the gym. Okay, you may look at me and say, I don't see that at all. But I'll go to the gym. And I'll be on the, has anybody ever bench pressed before, right? And you put some weights on there. And for, for years, when I, I would be stuck on 60 kilos, benching 60 kilos. And that's just a bar, which is 20 kilos and two 20s on each side. And I'll be doing like four reps of 15. Oh, my, four, four sets of 15. Four sets of 15 reps. And I'll be doing that for years, and I couldn't get heavier than that. Oh, like if I tried, I'll be weak. And, and, and until finally I started gymming with guys who knew what they were doing. Because muscle growth isn't done through repetition. Growth is done through extreme stress. It wasn't the amount of reps I was pushing, but it was the weight that I needed to put on in order for my muscle to grow. And so now, and so these guys, they're like putting more weight on. Okay, here we, this is what we're going to do. And then they put another plate on each side. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to lift that. There's no way. And so you take this weight, the extreme pain, and you lift it. You just, all you do is take it off, and you're holding it here, and, and your, your body's screaming, answer, what are you doing? You are going to die. You are about to die right now. And, uh, and then they say, there's no way I'm doing this. And you pull this weight down, and it's heavy. And you say, I, I cannot lift this up. But they're screaming at you, push that weight up. Push, they're screaming at you. And there's something inside you makes you push this up. And, you know, we, and, we, and that's when your muscle begins to grow, when there's extreme pressure when there's extreme stress upon your muscle. It's not about doing, doing uh, as much reps as you can, but it's about doing about four to five reps on extreme weight. Now we're pushing 110. Now we're pushing uh, 115. Oh, that's what I say. Whoa, I said that myself when we started doing this. You know, I say, there's no way that I thought I could do this. But it's about the weight that we pushed on. And, and, and yet, you know, when we, when we read in Hebrews 5, I'm not having God here, but when, we, when you go down to verse 12, the writer of Hebrews goes, you know, by now, you should be teachers. You should be teachers by now, but you're still on milk. And what he's saying is this. He's saying this. You should be pushing 110 kilos right now. But you know what? Somebody said something against you. You got hurt. You cried. You screamed. And now we're back on 20 kilos, pushing 20 kilos again. But I, I, I was hoping maybe you'll be at 60 by now. Because I've got, and this is God. God said, I've got some 60 kilo jobs for you. 
I've got some 100 kilo jobs for you, but I can't get you to step into it because it will crush you. You're back on the 20. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. This is your application. You become mature in God when you learn through your suffering to trust God and to bless those who hurt you. And you will be blessed. Do not get defensive and start defending yourself, but give it over to God. And you will learn to guard your heart. Bless those that hurt you because God is setting you up for blessing. You know, 13 years ago, we are now believers. We're in this church and we're, we're married now. Okay. We've got six kids. We've got a seventh on the way. We've got Sky TV now. Now we've got Spark Sport. We watch the keep ourselves entertained another way. But anyway, you know, I was telling somebody, Ant, you don't have to say everything that goes through your head. Just stick to the program. Anyway, let's get back. Let's get back to the spiritual moment. Everybody come back. And, um, and anyway, so, this, so we were struggling financially like many families do. And, um, and I got to a point where I voluntarily repoed my car. You know when you can't afford your car payments? repo man comes and gets it. Well, I realized, got to a place, I can't afford this payment. So I took the car and I voluntarily repoed it myself. I handed it and I can't pay this payment. So we had no car and we're struggling and we're like, you know what? We're trying to do, reading the word of God and God's putting this thing on our heart. We've got to do things right, do things right and blessing will come. I don't know about you, you felt like suffering after suffering after suffering after suffering, but we still trust the God even though we haven't seen one ounce of a blessing. Then all of a sudden, a family member of mine in Auckland heard that we didn't have a car. They said, Ants, you can, you, can, you, you can have our van. And I tell you what, when you can afford to pay for it, you can pay for it. And I was going, wow, this is God. Blessing is coming. So we get this van. It's run down. It's run down. But it still had its warrant for about uh, another four months. But I had said to myself, there's no way this van is going to pass its next warrant. You know when you get a car like that? And, and so, I'm, but I've got no choice. We're using driving this van. And, and um, anyway, three months go by. We, we go up to, I hadn't paid anything on this car. We had no money. But you got to understand something. We kind of felt God's call on our life. And so I resigned my job. That's, that's funny. You need more money, so you resign your job. It's crazy. Like, I'm suffering. Hey, let's just resign. Let's just get more suffering. Resign our job and I become an intern. But I, I knew that, okay, I've got a payout coming in a month when I finish, when I hand in the Pay, and I'll, I'll pay my family member for this van. So anyway, we go to Auckland for a family function and it's Sunday night, I've got all our kids. We've got six kids, me and Poro. Poro's pregnant with our seventh child. And what, this family member comes up to goes, you know, Ansa hadn't seen one payment at all and I, I, want the, I want the keys back. And I was going, oh, wait, wait, you said that, you said that uh, you know, when, when, when I can afford it and next month I'm getting a payout. And he said, well, I, I don't care, give me back the van. I was like, okay, okay, fair enough, it's your van. I said, I'm just going to take my family back to Hamilton. And then I'll bring the van back to you and I'll figure out how I'm going to get home. And she goes, no, give me the van now. I said, what about my family? Because I don't care about your family. And, I, and my, my sister told me, my sister, when she heard this story, she goes, you know, if it was me, I would have smashed the window. I would have kicked the lights in. And I said, here, take your van. I go, how dare you do that against my babies? We had an opportunity to pick up an offense. 
I gave back the van. I said, okay, here you go. Didn't say anything harsh back. Well, don't worry. We'll figure out how we're going to get home. It's all right. Kids only have school tomorrow, but that's okay. It's now 8 o'clock at night, but Sunday. And it's a hijab. <laughs> but you know, we continue to bless this family member. And anything she asked of us, we never helped. And, and, we, never, and, and we, ne- we refused to see her in this light. We continue to bless her. You know, God, it's funny what God happens. Because a year, like last year, another opportunity. It's almost like God is saying, okay, did you really? Let go of this? Or well, here's, a, here's, another, here's another challenge for you. Anyway, this family member's daughter was having a 21st. She rings me up and goes, hey, so your family's here? Yeah, we're all coming. We're, we're excited. We can't wait. Then she says this to me. So Price, kids, Price, his kids aren't allowed to come. I'm like, and it got me really, really angry. I was angry. Don't forget, offense and anger is two different things. Understand that. Got me really, really angry. Not for the fact, I understand you, it's your 21st, no kids, I understand that, but you are only first cousins, and if they're babies, that's okay, but not your kids. Reason that got me angry is because what she was saying to me is that they're not really your, your grandkids. By using those words, she didn't say your grandkids couldn't come, she said, Price's kids can't come. They're not really your kids anyway. I got really, really angry. And I was angry, I was telling Poro, and Poro was like, hey, don't worry, you know this person. So we decided we're gonna bless and say, we're an opportunity to pick up an offense, but we chose to bless. And then when it was our turn for our son's 21st, I ring this person up and say, look, invite your whole family. They're welcome. They're welcome here to our place. And you gotta understand something. When somebody hurts you, you've gotta make a decision. Do I pick up an offense or do I choose to bless? Do I choose to bless and pray for them? And we began to, let me, let me tell you something about where we are today. Today, we live in a house that we own. We're driving a car that was made in 2017. We own this. Because when you, I'm not saying this to tell you what we've got. I'm just telling you, bless those that hurt you because God is setting you up for a blessing. God is setting you up for a blessing. Seriously. I know people that won't talk to family members. They refuse to because they've carried an offense. We refuse to be that type of people. We want to be mature children of God. We want to be mature sons and daughters of God. We us. We want to carry the trait of our Father, that you will recognize that God will look at His children. You can tell my children because they carry my traits. Put down your offenses. Love those who persecute you. Bless those that hurt you. Because God is setting you up for a blessing. Come on, church, when we pray, Father God, we give you all the glory. Tough love, Lord, this is really is tough love. When it comes to your children, when it comes to people you love, and when people don't just attack you, but they attack your family, it's hard. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Thank you, Lord. You've given us the decision to choose. And today, Lord, we're making the decision. If you're here in this place and people have offended you, people you've been holding something against, somebody for so long, a family member, a friend, work colleague. If you're in this room, you need to make a decision to let go of this offense and pray a blessing upon their lives. Begin to see them in the light. Begin to see them how God sees them as a son and as a daughter. They may be techno, 
but begin to see them as how God sees them. Father God, we release, we release all these people. We bring them before the cross. Father God, we, we're letting people go. And ultimately, Lord, we're letting ourselves go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you, Lord, for not being offended at me. Thank you, Lord, for not being offended at us, that, that you refused to pick up an offense, but you sent your son into this world to die on a cross, even though people were spitting in his face. But you chose to die. You did not wait for an apology. Thank you, God, that you did not wait for an apology before you died for them. But you died for them while they hated you, while they spat in your face, but you died for them anyway. There was no apology, but you died anyway. Thank you, God, that you can go in those places of sin and shame and wipe the slate clean. So, Father, we make a decision to set people free. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Praise God. It's amazing when you begin to pray and get to God and you realize that. Yeah, many of us, we won't, many of, I can't, this is an add-on, I'm putting this on there. Many of us, reason why we refuse to let go of an offense is because we're waiting for an apology. Well, until they apologize, then I'm letting go. Did you know that Jesus never waited for an apology? Even when we were sinning, even when we were spitting in his face, he didn't wait for an apology. But he died for you anyway. Anyway. 